Hi gang, thanks for downloading this classic episode of News Fighters. Just a reminder, if you're looking for new original episodes of News Fighters, they're now over on the Irrational Fear podcast feed. So search for Irrational Fear on your podcasting app or go to irrationalfear.com for all new episodes of News Fighters. In the meantime, enjoy this classic News Fighters episode. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Sans Pants Radio, Australia's most procedurally generated podcast network. This is News Fighters, where we fight the news so you don't have to. With Dylan Behan. Yes, hello, welcome to News Fighters for today, June the 25th, 2021. News Fighters is a hilarious look back at the big news stories of the week in Australia, presented by me, Dylan Bain. If you don't know who I am, I'm a real famous comedian guy. Just... Pretend I am and the show will be funnier, all right? Okay, anyways, coming up on today's show, it's the end of the financial year next week. So I thought, what a great time to catch up on the state of the Australian economy with my interview guest, Greg Jericho, economics journalist and king of graphs or graphs for Guardian Australia. As I say, the, the economy is sick, but we've been pumped full with a lot of drugs. <laughs> so we feel good. You know, we're soldiering on. But first, let's do a catch up on the news from this week so far. Now, you may remember on last week's episode, I hilariously covered Scott Morrison's European pub crawl and slight G7 detour, which back here in Australia left Deputy PM Michael McCormack in charge. Well, (laughs) let's see how that turned out for him. Australia will tomorrow have a new Deputy Prime Minister after the Nationals ousted Michael McCormack in a leadership spill. Barnaby is back. The Nationals rejoice. Yes, Barnaby Joyce has returned, and uh, well, it's hard to believe Michael McCormack lost the uh, Nationals' leadership when he was such an effective communicator of nonsense. 55,000 people are employed in the coal industry, and $66 billion of exports that pays for a lot of hospitals, pays for a lot of schools, pays for a lot of barista machines that uh, uh, produces the coffee that uh, inner city types sit around and drink and talk about. The, the, the death of coal. There's been uh, a lot of hysteria uh, around uh, climate change. Climate change isn't the only factor that has caused these fires. There's been dry lightning strikes, there's been uh, uh, self-combusting piles of manure. The mice, the poor little curious creatures should be rehomed. Well I actually agree with Peter. They should be rehomed into their, into their inner city apartment so that they can so that they can nibble away at their food and their feet at night and scratch their children 
children at night. Well, again, I mean, facts sometimes are contentious. You might look out there and say the sky is blue, and I can see from here that it's grey, but if we go out from under this rotunda, there are probably blue patches. I mean, there are a lot of subjective things. But they should know that those lives matter too. All lives matter. And I tell you what, I would much sooner, much sooner live in Australia than anywhere else in the nation. So with Barnaby back, what exciting new policies for the uh, good of the country can we look forward to? But Mr Joyce has an agenda of his own, determined to use his return as Deputy Prime Minister to stop Scott Morrison embracing a net zero by 2050 emissions reduction target. We stand by our coal miners. We stand by our iron ore miners. We stand by our farmers. Yeah, I'm sure farmers will love all the uh, uncontrolled bushfires caused by climate change. As I've said before, for a man who uh, has six kids and can't seem to stop breeding, he sure doesn't seem to think about uh, what kind of a hellscape of a planet the next generation of Joyce's are going to be growing up in. And speaking of parliaments getting infected with hideous diseases... In breaking news this morning, Sydney's COVID scare has spread to the state's parliament, with the health minister now in isolation after possibly coming into contact with a positive case. Nationals MP and Minister for Agriculture in New South Wales, Adam Marshall, has tested positive for COVID-19. New South Wales Health Minister Brad Hazard has confirmed he is in isolation after he was identified as a close contact of a possible COVID-19 case. Yes, New South Wales State Parliament now has as many COVID cases as Byron Bay had when Bluesfest was shut down. At the 11th hour, the Health Minister has cancelled the Byron Bay Bluesfest. The dramatic development is in response to a local man catching COVID. It's difficult. It would have been better if uh, the Bluesfest uh, had been perhaps in another few months instead of right now. Hey, none of you parliamentarians pick up a guitar or, or show any artistic or creative flair or Brad Hazard's going to shut you right down. Also, it turns out Parliament House was host to a super spreader event. Minister Marshall was infected, but not infectious, he says, until that night. When he was at a Nationals fundraising dinner, many of the attendees got a text from New South Wales Health today saying you've been exposed to the COVID-19 virus at the strangers' dining room at Parliament House, deemed close contacts, isolation for up to two weeks. Yes, a National Party fundraising dinner. I hear the main course was... Uh, Self-combusting piles of manure. Yes, once again, the National Party seems to be everything that's wrong with Australia. When they're not against net zero emissions or gay marriage or coffee for some reason, they're hosting coronavirus super spreading parties. Thanks, Nationals. So yes, two weeks isolation for everyone who was at the National Party dinner. Sorry, except for who? Gladys Berejiklian says he didn't speak with her. Zero. He has been interviewed and has confirmed uh, he had zero contact with me. She's been classified a casual contact, despite other people in the room being told to self-isolate for 14 days. I was uh, interviewed by health. Uh, health has made their assessments and deemed uh, that I'm a casual contact. So everyone else from the dinner is like two weeks forced isolation and the Premier is like, nah, it's just there casually. Oh, didn't you see? I was wearing sneakers and jeans. It was, it was just a casual visit. 10,000 people are in forced isolation in New South Wales right now. Countless people have found themselves forced to lose out on work because they were at a coffee shop or a pub at the wrong time. Uh, and the Premier just, is just like, nah, I, sorry, New South Wales Health. I, I was, I'm a casual. It was a very casual contact.
And also, the restrictions in Sydney are sending all sorts of mixed messages. Good evening. It's not a full lockdown, but it's not far off. Tonight, Sydney residents are facing some of the toughest COVID restrictions we've known. More than a million people are tonight banned from leaving Sydney. Gym goers in Sydney and surrounding areas now have to wear masks, including in high-intensity classes. Also, household visits limited to five, including children. Drinking while standing, banned again. Yes, right now, all the vaccinated Americans are going to music festivals and I can't even have six people over to my house to stand and drink at the same time. And also, uh, I don't think it's very safe to go to the gym right now, even if you uh, are wearing a mask. I'd probably shut the gyms down. I'd say they're vastly more dangerous than a sit-down outdoor music festival, but that's just my opinion. So with all this transmission happening, you think like every other city in Australia, we'd have a short, sharp lockdown right now to stop the spread. <laughs> right, New South Wales uh, Chief Health Officer Kerry Chant? Three-day lockdowns don't work if you've got distributed disease. Three days is not long enough. Oh, too late for a short lockdown. Okay, uh, note to self, uh, go out and buy some toilet paper and like... One of those billion-piece jigsaw puzzles. A real big one. Yeah, it's, it's weird the New South Wales government isn't taking this more seriously, given the outbreak is of the scary uh, Delta variant that ravaged India. This Delta strain is so infectious, a person could get it within seconds. The Premier is now warning COVID-19 is jumping from person to person with contact that's scarily fleeting. In some instances, the exchanges have been scaringly fleeting. Yes, scarily fleeting was also the feedback I received when I tried speed dating for the first time. Oh, my three minutes with that Dylan guy. Oh, that was scarily fleeting. Okay, so what's caused this Sydney outbreak this time? Well, turns out we can't just blame an infected Melburnian for going to the Crossroads Hotel like we did last July. This one's on us. The limo driver who started all of this wasn't legally required to wear a mask or be vaccinated before picking up air crew. Picking up international air crew while untested, unvaccinated, even unmasked. We've vaccinated all those who are permanent employees, who've been in the system a while, but every day there are new people, uh, subcontractors of subcontractors coming into the system. Yes, once again, the pandemic catchphrase for this show, for anyone listening for the first time, is insecure work is going to kill us all. A limo driver who was not legally required to be vaccinated, masked or tested daily, like all other frontline quarantine staff, uh, started New South Wales' latest outbreak completely due to a lack of a government oversight and support. So, of course, as always, the state government made sure to blame the victim. Who's responsible for checking the COVID compliance of drivers is murky. Authorities say the onus is on the individual. Being slack about what the health authorities ask you to do is just inexcusable. Ah, what a surprise. As always, the insecure workers are expected to look after all their own health and safety issues with their own money in their own time, and then they get blamed if, heaven forbid, they ever prioritise making money to pay the rent in the most expensive city in Australia. Hey, here's an idea if the government wants to reach herd immunity sooner and encourage everyone to get vaccinated. How about paid vaccination leave for uh, casual and uh, insecure workers? That'll encourage everyone. Not that the free cookies and bottles of water aren't encouragement enough. But it's hard for people to give up a paid day's work or more if they get side effects uh, when they've got rent to pay. Also, speaking of the vaccination campaign, we're still way, way behind in Australia. Only 
22% of us have received our first jab, but the government has a, has, a, has a new guy to lead the effort. Today, the Prime Minister promised to kick the rollout into the next gear, with a top army official leading the battle. Bringing in Lieutenant General JJ Fruin, former commander of operations in Iraq and Afghanistan. Yes, so the government is going to bring in a military man who served in Afghanistan to help the vaccine rollout. Because, <laughs> as we all heard... Uh, this week at the defamation trial of Victoria Cross recipient Ben Robert Smith, Australia did real good in Afghanistan. Former SAS soldier Ben Robert Smith has revealed his squadron was given drinking glasses shaped like the prosthetic leg of an Afghan man killed during specialist operations. <laughs> Afghan war veteran Ben Robert Smith has admitted to burning a laptop after federal police began an investigation into possible war crimes. The Victoria Cross recipient admitted pouring petrol on computers and burning them, but insisted it was something he does free frequently to keep his personal information safe. Yeah, hey, maybe don't put the army guys in charge of the data entry at the vaccination centres, though. They're probably going to cause a fire. Anyways, to sum up the week, Barnaby is back. New South Wales Parliament is a COVID cluster. The vaccine rollout might wind up in The Hague. And all that's left of Michael McCormack's parliamentary career is... Self-combusting piles of manure... It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Uh, joining me now on News Fighters is uh, someone I've always wanted to have on the show. Uh, one of Australia's, I'd say, clearest and... Uh, most interesting um, uh, economics journalists, or do I call you an economist for the for the Guardian? No, economics how, journalist. Is that how you, how do you describe your role? Pushing it. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm. I mean, I've got a honours degree in economics, but I think to be an economist, you kind of want to be either lecturing in the thing or or actually employed as that. Whereas, yeah, I'm I'm a journalist. I'm happy with journalists. Yes, uh, Greg Jericho. Uh, how did you? So we worked together ten years ago on a Chaser show. Was it one of the election? Oh my God! And it is ten years ago. Two thousand eleven, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it was the first cha- um, first uh, hamster wheel season. Oh um, God, that was that was a great show. That was a fantastic. Yeah. 
Fantastic um, chauffeur. Um, and then, uh, what have you been up to since then? How did you? How did you? How did you? La- how did you land at the Guardian? Before that, you were a Grog's Gamut, the blogger. Yeah, I was blogging um, when I, that was when I was at the public service. Um, and then after I left the public, well, I basically left the public service because uh, I got off the job as a researcher with the Chaser guys. Um, so I thought. Never, yeah. a, never a smart move throwing your career in to work with the chaser, <laughs> likely exactly. to wind thought, up arrested. Yeah. That, that, that sounds like a, a, a safe career path to Fred. <laughs> um, so while I was doing that, I was also writing my book um, on political blogging and, and everything that was going on at that stage. I was doing a bit of writing for the ABC as well, back when the drum used to have uh, a website. Mm-hmm. And then when Guardian Australia started, um, I was very lucky to have uh, Lenore Taylor and Catherine Mercy Lee uh, in my corner and telling the then editor, um, Kath Viner, that she really should hire me. Um, And so I basically pitched her a couple of ideas um, for a sort of a weekly or bi-weekly column and uh, and she bought it, (laughs) literally. Um, So, yeah, that's pretty much how it how it came about yeah uh your column's very enjoyable um you had a great one this week or or last week when this comes out basically arguing uh that the government's main response to the covid recession was just to keep house prices rising which is (laughs) very relatable um they're up 6.1 percent uh in sydney um surely we'd have deflation now if it wasn't for house prices yeah i mean well Yes, I mean, we kind of did have a, a bit of deflation last year early on. And, and since then, though, because the government's been pumping so much money into the economy mm. either through JobKeeper, JobSeeker and all the others, uh, that, it, that it has kind of kept things at least going along. It's not just a, a slap at the, the Morrison government. Every government does it. I mean, the Rudd government mm-hmm. did it during the GFC. It was like, you know, we've got to worry about house prices. And uh, yeah. the annoying thing is they don't just worry about it. Um, when a recession hits, they worry about it all the time. And, it, you know, having a slow growing house prices is, a, you know, some kind of evil apparently. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it is it is quite madness. I mean, uh, when when we knew that the the recession or the pandemic recession was going to happen, I, I sort of had a look at, you know, housing finance was not doing all that great at that stage. And I think, oh, this could be a little bit of a correction, but um, the government certainly wasn't going to allow that to happen. And um, they really went hard. I mean, one of the good thing, bad things about house prices going up is it kind of does put a little bit of um, uh a stop to the the thing that oh it's all foreigners coming in and buying our houses because that that's not what's been happening in the past year that's they that's can't sort get of in been, <laughs> yeah they can't get in so it really has just been a, a domestic thing but it also just shows that you know if governments really want to to keep a sector of the economy going they they can do it if they, if they really have a mind to doing it yes you know? yes funding the kitchen renos and the bathroom renos yeah. as well but I feel for young people like. This might as well be diamond prices. This is so out yeah. of reach. The The Australia Talks this week reported 65% of Aussies think owning a home isn't really an option for most young people anymore. Yeah. Like, surely the government will have to do maybe what New Zealand did and get rid of negative gearing. I mean, more supply of houses people can't afford isn't <laughs> going to help young people, right? Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's astonishing, really, how it's happened kind of in in 
our lifetimes or definitely my lifetime i mean you know i was i'm you know right in the middle of sort of the gen x generation born in 72 you know came into you know finished uni at early 90s in the recession (laughs) um but my wife and i were able to you know buy our first townhouse you know we had a two-bedroom townhouse this was when we were living in cairns and then you know a decade later we were able to go to a three-bedroom when we had our first kid and Mm. and you know and then a decade later almost literally a got our current house which is a four-bedroom house in canberra and you know that's how it's meant to happen and yeah i can absolutely understand millennials and people were already in their 30s and and even beyond going yeah that's that's a nice fairy tale there (laughs) mate uh it ain't it ain't happening i mean the you know the the median price of a house in in sydney's 1.1 million dollars i mean that's you know it's just astonishing and you know Clearly, there's no impetus from the government to do anything there, and it's because they have decided, and this is certainly comes from the John Howard School of Politics, that keeping house prices going up keeps people who own houses happy, and there are more of those than people who are actually looking to buy a house at this point in time. And certainly there's more of those who are likely to change their vote than younger people who are looking to buy a house at this moment. Yeah, right. And yeah, so yeah. that's kind of the, the political calculus behind it all. But where this is all going to come crashing down, of course, is is uh, Australia's retirement um, system is basically set on people owning a house. Um, that's that's the key. Um, now, of course, uh, Tim Wilson has has hooked on this, saying, "Oh, yes, see, that's that's how wrong it is, and so we shouldn't be putting our money into super. You should be going into housing, um, which is a nice way of saying yes, let's kill superannuation because he doesn't yeah. actually like it ideologically, and he wants to keep housing prices." Booming. I mean, and, and then we'll I have to reverse mortgage our houses to, to, yeah, exactly. to pay our bills when we retire, yeah. right? As as Paul Keating likes to say, you'll have to eat your house to, yes. to survive. <laughs> um, and you know, I, I have a few issues with with Keating on on his treatment of superannuation, anything, but I, I do love that phrase of having to <laughs> eat your house. I think that's, and you know, it's it's. I think you're right. Well, clearly you know, getting rid of the demand side policies and whether it's negative gearing or even the the sort of the 50% deduction on capital gains tax. Yep. But supply of, um, you know, more public housing is a, is certainly a crucial mm. issue. The, I think the key is having a government that is not fixated on ensuring the prices keep going up and up. Mm. And you can always tell... You know, if a government actually worries about something, it, it actually does something about it. And the fact that they're not, mm-hmm. that the, their worry is about house prices as opposed to housing affordability, it, mm-hmm. you know, you end up with the result. I mean, it, it's just, uh, you know, if, if a government doesn't believe in climate change, you get policies like we've exactly. got now where it becomes gas and, and everything like that. And it really, it comes to the core. Yeah. And surely the co- doesn't the coalition realise that, that there's not going to be a next generation of conservative voters if everyone's living in share houses till they're 60? Like, <laughs> it seems yeah, obvious I mean, to I, me. <laughs> well, I mean, I would, I'm kind of, uh, 
There's not a lot of long-term thinking from uh, this government, shall we say. Um, they're thinking... <laughs> no, <years> really? To... <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it, the the other problem is also the kind of banking on the fact that there is still my generation who are in their 40s and 50s who they've now got their house and it's amazing how you change from someone who thinks, oh, we've got to do something about housing affordability to suddenly you've got a house and it's like, oh, housing prices. You know, there is that. Mm. It's it's a little bit like migration where every sort of generation of migrants hates the next generation <laughs> of migrants that comes in. It's like, you know, you, you Johnny-come-latelys. And this is why it's always such a real bugger with retirement policies and things like superannuation tax breaks and things is everyone can see that they're wrought and they're bad until they get close to being able to take advantage of them. Then it's like, hang on, you're allowing all those bloody boomers to have got all that. Now you're taking it away just as we're getting there. You know, it's, it's, I I did write this a, a couple years ago in kind of a bit of a throwaway line that, you know, the Australian dream had shifted from wanting to buy your own house to wanting to be able to negative gear a house, you know, and it, it kind of is that, you know, people were like, no, you're going to take away negative gearing, but I'm now at an age where I, I you know, could do yeah. that. And to the yeah. point where there has been a slight rise in the past sort of decade of people who rent and negative gear replace, you know, they yeah. buy a investment property even while they're renting. You know, a, lo- a lot of people in Sydney rent and own an investment property out of Sydney. Yeah. Yeah. I know, I know people like that. Yeah. Crazy. Um, and yet, you know, it's 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 really tough to to undo. Um, it's the same with all tax cuts. You know, mm. um, once once you cut taxes, they never go back up. It's why we're kind of still very much living in the legacy of John Howard and the the tax changes and the incentives that he put in to encourage you know things like negative gearing, which was a fairly niche thing in the 80s and 90s. You know, there's double the percent of people who negative gear now compared to them. You know, it's gone from sort of 8 to 9% to up 19 20%, you know. Wow. it's And it's all because of what John Howard did in changing the, the tax arrangements. So it's... And, and the 2007 tax cuts, was, they're definitely still paying for... Um, yeah, yeah, they were the, the Rudd Howard ones. Um, they were. Re- I mean, you know, <laughs> when I look back over the the last twenty years, you know, it's it's it strikes me as one amazing that we had a cut price on carbon and we that was working. We got rid of it, mm. um, and we had a mining boom and we pissed it away. Yep, uh, a lot of jet know, skis. A lot of people bought jet skis, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> um. The Australian economy appears to be doing pretty well. Like, do people on the left have to give Morrison and Frydenberg credit? Do we have to actually give credit where it's due here, or is it all a bit well, of a mirage? I think you give, give them credit for it's it's that kind of case of giving them credit for doing what people on the left were telling them to do. You know, things right, like yeah. kind of job guarantee with the job keeper thing, even though they did it in not the greatest way. I I, I think the a lot job of holes keeper, in it. Yeah. Yeah, the JobKeeper giving it to the companies to then give to the workers was always going to end up with what we see with Harvey Norman doing mm-hmm. quite nicely out of it. I mean, I can kind of give them a pass for that because it was a case of, look, let's just make sure the money's there, let's get some certainty. Yeah. Certainly you can give them credit for for not thinking, oh, no, we've got to watch our budget. And, and it's 
But when you talk about how the economy is doing, yes, it's doing really well, but it's kind of like in a way saying, this guy's running really fast <laughs> and he's broken the world record. I wonder how Ben Johnson will do once we take him off the steroids, though. You know, yeah, it's gotcha. kind of like, you know, yeah, you're running fast and you're going great because you've swallowed every steroid in the world, you know. And yeah. so it is kind of the done well in, you know, a, a lower unemployment rate is good. People working is great. How you actually judge whether or not the economy is actually doing well is tougher because you're, everything is within the caveat of, yeah, and we've got interest rates at zero and the Reserve mm. Bank is saying they're going to be at zero For until years. 2023, you know, 2023, yeah. 24. The government is still pumping money in. And, yes, that's good. I'm glad that they're doing that because, you know, I, I don't want a recession and be able to say, see, I told you austerity doesn't work. It's a failure yep. and I can now celebrate. I'd much prefer no recession and people doing well, but people in jobs and stuff. Yep. Yeah. But a couple of weeks ago, I, I had a look at the, the latest quarterly figures, which the new ones aren't out yet, but it was, it was showing that a lot of the recovery in, in work was very much on the public sector side of things. Interesting. Um, the private sector. Those, those vaccination not. clinics employ a lot of people. I was there. I had, I had my ID checked four times. Yeah. I mean, healthcare, <laughs> healthcare was the, um, pretty much overwhelmingly the biggest increase in, wow. in sort of full-time jobs wow. um, or main jobs, I guess we should put it in that, that sense. And a lot of other work was still dragging behind in, in a lot of other sectors. So it's, again, it was this case of, as I say, the government has been spending a shitload of money, whether it's in um, the healthcare sector or in um you know, sort of other areas that that the kind of the quasi job guarantee of JobKeeper and things like that. And so it's still a little bit tough at this stage to judge how things are. And also, you know, just the fact that the unemployment rate in the last month went from 5.4 to 5.1. I mean, that's kind of an absurd little drop. It Generally, it'll go up or down maybe 0.1%, not 0.3, which, which suggests that there's still a lot of um, weirdness sort of going on in the economy. So it, you, it's great, but you don't want to be sort of thinking, oh, we're all back to normal because we're, we're nowhere near normal. We're just thankfully have got enough stimulus in place to, to at least make us feel like things are normal. Also, the, the big vex thing for the government is what happens when the borders do open again. You know, yes. and the, the, a big reason why the unemployment rate is low is because population hasn't grown at all. Mm. And that makes it easy to find a job because you haven't got, you know, 40, 50, 60,000, however many extra mm. people you would have expected there to be looking for work as well are not there. And so it is a bit, it, it just does make it a little bit easier to, to find jobs i'm not arguing for a zero uh, population growth strategy but just in this in the short term that does make it easier to get work and once the borders open we'll have people going outside yeah they'll be spending money that they would have spent here they're now going on holidays again and we have people coming in sort of competing for labor um and 
that's when at least we'll start to getting some close to normal because when you've got an economy that has got borders shut mm. and there's no movement sort of in or out, that, that's not a real economy. So it could be, could be a rough time after the, if the elections this year, say it could be a rough time after the election for whoever wins it, some tough decisions to make potentially. Yeah, it's, it's because it's a little bit like, um, and this is why it's always, you know, why the, the Liberal Party were able to say, oh, we're, we've stuck with this Labor debt for a decade and everything, is that it is when you stimulate the economy, when you withdraw that money, you're actually slowing the economy. And you can only really do that if you've got faith that the private sector is able to fill the gap. And, you know, I, I think you'd be a fairly um, optimistic person to think uh, the government could uh, do that at this stage. I think there's still a lot of, you know, people building houses, but they're only building houses because of the job builder program and things like that. And yeah. you can and they're not, see- And they're not going on holidays. Everyone's renovating yeah. and, and spending and one money of the, here. One of the other kind of interesting things is that apartment building has not increased in any at all. In fact, it's hmm. decreased, which to me suggests that investors and those big companies who normally would be building these masses of apartments and have been as certainly in Sydney in the last sort of 10 years, are not that confident yet to to start investing and start building one because they have no idea what's going to happen with population and everything, but also because they they kind of know that things are still kind of a bit scary. It's okay yeah. to maybe build your own house when you've got nothing to lose, but in actually investing and betting your money that you're going to be able to, you know, get people either in this apartment or in this um, commercial complex is <laughs> is a tougher ask. So that's. Yep one thing perhaps to be looking for as well. And looking at and looking at Sydney apartments, modern new apartments, I don't think anyone in Sydney actually wants to live in them. They're so they're, you, you they tend be to fall down. The plan, would you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, Greg. Thanks <laughs> thanks for your time. We'll we'll have to leave it there. Uh where can where no, can people don't. find you? What, what what do you want to plug? What are your socials? Um Guardian Australia, I'm uh, there every Tuesday, Thursday and Sunday, uh, generally either under the Grogonomics um, banner or the Graph of the Week or just go to the front page, generally I'm there somewhere. And, of course, at Grogsgamut on Twitter, if you wish to hit me up there, I am <laughs> pretty much live there. So, <laughs> Brilliant. Fascinating stuff. Thanks for your time. Thanks for coming on News Fighters. Thanks, Greg. No worries, Dylan. Cheers. Thank you. All right, everyone, that's News Fighters for today for June the 25th, 2021. As I said, it is the end of financial year next week, so good time of year to think about donating some money. And uh, as I said last week, I donated to gogive1.org, which is donating uh, coronavirus vaccines to developing countries uh, through COVAX. And I've had a few of my listeners reach out and say they've donated. So uh, if you're getting a jab or even not giving a jab, it's a great charity uh, run by the WHO. Go check it out at gogive one. Org. And if you're also feeling generous because it's the end of financial year, not that it's deductible or anything, uh, we've finally launched our Apple Podcast subscriptions. Yes, uh, you can support us for $6 a month and uh, get monthly bonus episodes. All you've got to do is uh, find the uh, bonus app in your feed on Apple Podcasts um, and uh, click on it and then uh, click subscribe. It's simple. Or if that's too complicated or you're not an Apple Podcast person, uh, we do have a Patreon uh, at patreon.com slash Newsfighters, or if you don't like monthly donations, you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com/slash 
news fighters. Yes, and a big thank you to all our supporters out there who've been supporting us. And also another reminder, we don't advertise on Facebook. So if you want updates, uh, sign up to our free newsletter at newsfighters.com. We're also on Twitter and Instagram and all that. Uh, That's it for now. Keep fighting and see you next week. This is Uh, self-combusting piles of manure where we fight the news so you don't have to. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.